I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. So even though we logically know, Amy, that everything changes and we can't control so much except for the way we show up to our life, you are in the midst of so much change right now. Oh, man. Remind me why I did this. I am in the midst of so much upheaval. I'm moving. And Mm -hmm. I know you just finished moving. So you are a great inspiration for me that you survived it because Mm -hmm. so many times during this move, I've just completely shut down. And, you know, you have these periods where you're just like, how is this ever going to get done ever? And Mm -hmm. I've contemplated just putting it all on the sidewalk (laughs) and walking away from it. And that's not a great idea, but yeah, I'm in it right now. Mm-hmm. And there are the cycles. There are times when it's so much easier to connect with contentment. And there are times when we are in it. And because I'm just on the other side of that, when I look back on everything that was going on, there was so much travel. There was a launch of a new business and there was a move all at once. And that's that's real life. You know, sometimes we don't have a lot of free time. But you and I know in the midst of those times are when we need our practices the most. And guess what? You know, this is the real world. And in the midst of all of that, for me, I did fall away um, from some of my practices. Some are ingrained and it's happening no matter what. But I fell away from my meditation And so why am I surprised when I'm feeling so much more overwhelm and the stories in my head and the worried thoughts are louder and more chaotic and I I don't have a great handle on them? That's exactly why. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I talked about last week in the podcast how I had the absolute day from hell and that having those practices I felt was the only thing that saved my life that day, not in a literal sense, but figuratively, I felt like the practices did save my life. And I have, I have this thing where I own a yoga studio. So I am there quite a bit and that keeps me tethered to the practices a little bit more than probably if I didn't own the studio, because I could come up with all kinds of excuses on why, I had so many other things to attend to before I could make the time to get to a class or to get to meditation or to be in that space of quiet. And so I feel kind of lucky that I have this studio that I get to go to all the time because it does keep me a little bit more closely tethered to the practices, but still, yes, in life, time gets away from you and then the day is done and I haven't 
attended to my own self-care, my own meditation, my own physical movement. So yeah, I'm feeling it also. Mm -hmm. And this week for me, thankfully, I'm feeling a, a little bit more inspired because I hear you when you're in it, it's so much more challenging to connect with the heart because it's really just mind, 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 plan, plan, and action. That's the reality of it. And something that is a simple thing, but it's hard to make time for is to sometimes get together with those inspiring people that we have in our life. And actually, Sandra, you know, Sandra, our listeners know Sandra. She is the clinical aromatherapist that was on our show a few weeks ago. She was in town and we were able to meet for lunch. And you know, sometimes you just hear what you need to hear. And she had some words for me that reminded me, yes, you know, just reminded me of what was important. And sometimes we need to hear that from outside of ourselves. We're not able to attain that just within ourselves. And she had some inspiring words. And then I started listening to a new audiobook and I'm also reading a new book as part of the yoga therapy course and what she said to me was really mirrored in the information that I received from these other places and we've talked about this before too when we're busy and we're basically just in our own minds it can help to re-educate the mind by doing a little bit of inspiring reading or listening to something that inspires us so that it opens up our perspectives. Because I find that when we're really busy, our perspectives get smaller and smaller, especially if we don't have time to connect with other people and that can happen. But I heard this quote in this audiobook I was listening to, and you probably heard this quote because it's from Albert Einstein. Mm -hmm. And he said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. Mm, I love that. What a shift in perspective. Mm -hmm. And because I've been coming back to my practices and feeling like I have a little bit more space for that, um, but because I have been in a place where the contents of my mind have been busier and just more challenging for me to create space between. Yesterday, I had a day where... I decided to wake up with that intention to wake up and really follow my own words and look for what's going right and look for the beauty. And the reality is life hits us with situations sometimes where it is hard to see the beauty. And it wasn't just busyness that has been going on in my life. There's lots of things that are going on that we don't plan for and we would prefer not to have in our life because we can't control the actions of others. And there's so much that we can't control in our life. And so some of that real life stuff is happening on the periphery of my experience and with people that I love. So it's been more challenging to come to that place of seeing the good. I'll just, I'll just admit that. Mm. But when we can, or when these messages come to us, it's, it's like a soothing feeling. And then I wanted to share one other thing with you and our listeners today. I started reading this new book. It's called um, Teaching Yoga. It's by an Australian notable yoga teacher named Donna Farhi. And I had never read the way that she describes yoga. And so I thought I would share that. 
She says, yoga is a centuries-old spiritual tradition, science, and art that proceeds from the knowledge that all life is interconnected. When we perceive ourselves to be cut off, alone, or separate from life, we suffer. As a consequence of our false perception, our actions in the world may be ignorantly misguided, causing unnecessary pain to ourselves. Yoga tells us that we can disentangle ourselves from the suffering and also prevent suffering for others by recognizing that there is no one and no thing that is separate from us. We achieve this more unitive state not through blind faith or mechanical observance of rituals, but through a no-nonsense practice of the eight limbs of yoga. And you and I have shared, and we will continue throughout the coming weeks on this podcast, about that yoga is not just what we're doing on the yoga mat as we as we see it here in the West, but yoga is meditation and working with the breath and working on focusing the mind so it's not so caught up in thoughts that create suffering. Yoga is meditation. And, and finally, yoga is that remembering of the part of us that's always okay. And it's so easy to forget that when change is afoot. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you and she talk about connection. It is so easy to not have compassion or to not recognize what's going on with someone else when we lose that connection. And I remember somebody said that it's really hard to hate someone once you get to know them. And that struck me. And that doesn't mean there's not hate and that doesn't mean there's not people in your life that you have an extreme dislike for, especially those who have hurt us. But I'm talking more about strangers or people you encounter through your daily life and remembering that we're all connected. Like you said, everyone has similar stories and similar struggles and similar paths and recognizing that in each other can be so healing on so many levels that we're not alone in this world, that if we can remember that connection, that we can, you know, find community. Everything that you just said also takes me to another aspect of my week. And I mentioned this to you earlier, but I think it's worth sharing because I think this is another experience that we've all had. And that's when somebody that we don't know very well, but has an effect on our life. Like in my case, a neighbor, um, there was a situation with a neighbor that, that came up a new neighbor in the, in the new neighborhood. And it was something that I had to deal with. And because I didn't know this person, I noticed that my mind immediately went into stories about this person. You know, I went into some anger. Um, I, I, went into some resistance of the way things were and that this person is going to be living in close proximity and how that was going to be for me. Like I really watched this rabbit hole of thoughts that were really taking me down. And it was creating a lot of suffering because there was, I have no control over the fact that this person is going to continue to be my neighbor. And I had a couple of days where I really struggled with this. And finally, I'm like, okay, I can no longer just be in my head about this. I I have to be able to poke holes in some of the thoughts that I'm having. 
And one thing I recommend to clients, it's like, okay, I'm going to do it as well. I just decided I'm going to sit down and write down exactly what I was thinking so I could see what was swirling around in my head on paper. And also for me, it helps to still those thoughts because if we allow them to run amok without managing our thoughts, they can take us into some places that create actions that we'll regret later because we can really convince ourselves of a lot within our mind if we're not opening up our perspectives or if we're not questioning those thoughts. So I wrote everything down and it became very clear, the story that I was telling myself. And it's all about us. You know, these other people in our lives, our friendships and our relationships and the strangers that cut us off on the street, you know, it's Our reactions are all about what's already in us. And I already have this piece within me that is frightened and resentful of having to be careful in in my life, of having to, let's say, walk on eggshells um, in order to make sure that somebody else is okay. And I could see, based on what I was writing down, that that's exactly what was being triggered in this situation. And that that had nothing to do with her, that that was completely about me. And that started to soften the experience. And then I remembered a practice that was recently taught to me in my yoga therapy school. And that was a practice that's known as just like me. And this is the beautiful thing about learning these tools and practices like we're teaching right now in our Radiant Year program is you learn them when everything is okay and then you have them when you really need them. And I needed to remember because I think, you know, I was feeling like she was an other and that's wired in us. We do that. We've been doing that since the beginning of humankind. You know, we other the other tribes and so we still do that and that creates a sense that we are alone and that we're disconnected from one another. And this practice is a way to feel more of that compassion and connection and that we really are all in this together. And the practice is to think of this neighbor and to think, okay, she has a body just like me. She has fears just like me. She seeks happiness in her life just like me. And, you know, you can go on and on. And the way we practiced it in the yoga room is that we were lined up about three feet away from somebody else. And we were gazing into their eyes. And our teacher was reading a very long list of the commonalities that we have as human beings because we have so much more in common than we do not. You know, this person um, feels jealousy sometimes, you know, just like me. This person cries tears of sorrow sometimes, just like me. This person struggles um, in their life, just like me, and on and on. And then one row stays where they're standing, and then the row across kind of moves one so that you're basically looking in the eye of person after person, and you are acknowledging all of the sameness, everything that connects you. It's very powerful. And in this moment, I was really grateful that I had experienced that because I was able to come back to this when I was in the midst of feeling disconnected from somebody else that I really did not know. How do you remind yourself to do that practice? I wouldn't have been able to if I didn't create the space. And I think that's a great question because 
so often we're just reactive and then we're just listening to our own thoughts and our own thoughts are amping us up. And then maybe we're talking to other people about our thoughts and we're gathering information about why we're right. And then our anger is swelling. This happens all the time. Mm-hmm. But if we can give ourselves, okay, I think I need to sit down and I need to really figure out why I'm upset because that's what emotions are. Emotions are to be felt for sure. I'm not about just trying to make myself feel better all the time, even though human beings, we really are. We're wired to like move away from suffering and move towards pleasure. That's like a whole other (laughs) ball of wax that causes so much suffering for us. But um, I am about feeling what needs to be felt. However, it's unhelpful, I think, to feel emotions and not really take a moment to figure out what that emotion is guiding us towards. And there's a lot, I think, underneath the emotion of anger. Anger is like this signal of, okay, I have a need that isn't being met here. And usually that's not a need in present moment. That's like a need of your little one. And if I could believe it, you know, here I felt so... I guess um, I felt like there was a boundary cross from a neighbor. I felt so, what's the word I'm looking for? Like indignant. Like I felt indignant about it. Mm. And then when I looked underneath that, it was like, oh, this inner little one within me, it's triggering her because she had to be really careful not to provoke the ire of somebody powerful in her life. And I think if I ever feel, even in my marriage and in my friendships, if if I feel like I have to be careful, it triggers that. But that's also so selfish on my part because oftentimes I'm blind to the fact that, well, there is an entire other person and, and their path and their little one to consider. And so to answer your question, I reminded myself of that because I gave myself the space to figure out what was going on. And then through the act, I think of opening up my mind rather than just being so close minded, the practices came back to me. You know, it wasn't like I was looking up in my notes, like, what can I do to fix this? It wasn't that. I think it was that I softened and my heart opened and I was choosing love over fear that the message came back to me like, oh, you know, this is a practice to remind yourself of that you're just like her in in so many ways. And that has that has helped me so much. Like I feel completely differently about the entire situation. Mm. Have you had any more interactions with your neighbor to kind of feel out how that would be moving forward? Because I felt really clear within myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I did encounter them yesterday and was just able to smile and ha- and say hello and not feel like it was fake, you know, because we can we can usually tell that and also that's like a boundary cross for ourselves. So yeah, I was able to just smile and for me it feels it feels over and we don't really know one another, so I can't know what she's thinking. But that's actually a big healing for me mm-hmm. to move beyond what I think she's thinking, you know, and just kind of be okay with it and, and, and move on in my life and be friendly. 
Yeah. And not be worried all the time. Am I going to run into her? What, how's that going to be? And what's that interaction going to be like? And Mm -hmm. what is she thinking about me? Like, I know for me that could spiral out of control and be exhausting. And it has been in the past. You know, why do we come to these practices in the first place? Because as Donna Farhi just wrote, we're pretty sick of the suffering that's in our own head. And that used to really run my life, um, what somebody else was thinking. Well, as I, as I just mentioned, you know, that's wired into me, wired into so many of us, I think, is making sure that everybody else is okay before we would think about if it's okay for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that is so common throughout all of us. So thinking about that just like me practice, what comes up for you? Going back to my day from hell last week that I shared on our last podcast, I can see how others were going about their day, about their responsibilities, about what they needed to get done. And then they encountered me. And... (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I was not having the best day and really was my stress had reached its boiling point. And I'm sure I was not an easy person to encounter. And just like me, they have lives and responsibilities and accountabilities. And just like me, they had jobs to do. And I get that. And And it's a little bit softer for me not to hate them so much. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's not even that you're doing that for them. You're doing that for you just so that poison isn't living in you. Exactly, exactly. The anger and hostility only poisons us. It has really no effect on the target of our anger. So that all is healing for me, not for them. I hope, I'm sure they hope never to encounter me again and vice versa, but I can see how they, they are just like me in so many ways of having a job to do and having tasks that they have to need, you know, that they have to answer for getting done and, and it humanizes them. It, it takes the villain out of them in my eyes and, and makes them human as well. Oh, that's that's such a wise thing that you said. When we villainize somebody else, that means that we are portraying ourselves as the victim. And there's all these archetypes that are alive kind of in the collective consciousness that we can fall into. And victimhood is one that we can very easily fall into because what you shared last week is how out of control you felt. And so that anger that you were experiencing, if anger is pointing to what's going on, like what's really going on, and I know you haven't had the space. This is probably the first time you've had the space to sit down <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to figure out like what was that anger pointing to. And well, it's pretty scary to feel like things are out of our control. Yeah. And that's that was where so much of my anger was coming from is I felt like all of these things were out of my control, that I didn't have a say, that I was powerless. And when I come from a place of feeling powerless, I can react so quickly out of just pure survival. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you feel like your, your, your security net is threatened, it can be 
very easy to go to some primal places on the way you behave. And I was definitely in those, you know, very primal places of survival last week. And yes, this is the first time coming out of it, coming through this move and, you know, having a little space to realize I'm safe. Everyone's safe. We're all in a good spot. The stories that I was creating around it were, you know, end of the world, doomsday stuff. And it really wasn't that at all. And yeah, space is a definite healer as well. You know, you said the word survival. And just because we teach what we teach, therapeutic yoga teacher, yoga teacher, Ayurvedic teacher, and what we're in the midst of teaching in our in our weekly course, a radiant year, we're in a radiant fall right now. And so we're teaching about some of the aspects of a human body that it's not like we can see them, just like we're talking about our emotions. We can't see our emotions, but they're really real. And we are talking about some of the energetic parts of a human being, like the doshas, which we've talked about here, and the chakra system. And when you say the word survival, that right away brings to mind the first energy center that we are teaching about in our course, because it's helpful to kind of understand the concept of this energy center at this time of year. We are in fall. This is the time where there is transition going on all around us. Really great time to move. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, in one way, it kind of is like last week we were talking about things that could become a spiritual practice in our day-to-day life. Like really our entire life is a spiritual practice technically, but moving during a transition season, yes, you're adding on to the transition that we're feeling all around us and you're adding on to the stress, but you are kind of going with the flow of life. You know, you're moving into a new season, into a new home, new space. Yeah. And as you, as I embarked on this, part of the fall season and vata dosha is inspiration and creativity. And we love to think and dream and, oh, it's going to be like this and that. And, you know, I can see why we both were drawn to this, these moves that we made, because that's part of the season is change and growth and And it's so inspiring and it's so fun to think about, but then the act of doing it is an entirely different thing. And the upheaval and disruption of our schedules and our stuff and our routines, and that can be so then the alternative, you know, it becomes so unbalancing and overwhelming and fearful and... And so it makes sense why we wanted to do this because it is a, we like change and we're inspired and we want to be creative and think about the new, where's the new, where's the furniture going to go in the new place. And maybe I'll get new curtains and I could paint the walls and, you know, the mind starts going to all these fun places and then the work starts. And then I've had many moments where I wanted to just throw in the towel and (laughs) be done with it. So coming through the other side, I'm beginning to feel my feet on the ground. I'm beginning to feel grounded. I know where about half of my things are, um, so that's helpful. My 
my bedrooms and my bathrooms are in the new place all set up and my kitchen is still completely in the old place. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so we still have a lot of work to do, but but we're getting there. And and physically and energetically and emotionally I can begin to feel the shift now that okay, the we're going to we're we're going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll have one place soon. Yeah, this everything that you said still in that first energy center and you said you're looking forward to feeling more grounded and you know that this upheaval takes you away from feeling your feet on the ground and I think it would be helpful here to talk about the first chakra its Sanskrit name is Muladhara which is roughly translated to mean you know our root support and it can be deficient, like we can feel effects of its unbalance, just like we can feel effects of the um, dysregulation of the dosha vata. When we start to feel ungrounded, when when our sense of home is compromised or our sense of safety, when we are feeling really disconnected from, um, from each other and, and from ourselves, and so it's something to think about, I think, at this time of year and when we are in the midst of change is what can I be doing in order to feel more grounded? And if you are interested in the chakra system as a healing resource, I mean, you don't even really have to fully understand it because it is something that we can't see, but it is very useful. And it's really simple and elegant. It makes so much sense to us. But even in the midst of a busy day, can we stop and feel our feet on the ground? Can we do things that we know ground us by drinking warmth and and eating things that are grounding and and warming? And can we take some time to connect with broader perspectives like we talked about? And that's Mm -hmm. how practices like a few pages of some inspiring reading or remembering this practice that we offer you today through um, our dear teachers, just like me. If we feel less resilient when we feel ungrounded and very busy, that's when we can get triggered. Our old stuff can get triggered by the comments or actions of others, which we can't control. And so it's easier to feel anxious and it's easier to feel more of the contrasting shades of emotions and not to not feel that but to see it as a clue as well, to see it as a clue that something is off and what in me is wanting and what what needs does that little one in me have? And I think that's something that I would just offer today. I will always offer when we feel really in our head, write it down. I. Uh, Our teacher, Ashley Turner, who's also been on this podcast, she had a teacher, Mona Miller, that taught her to thought rinse when the mind is really busy. Write it down because it's out of your head then. And it really is easier to deal with because when you see it in black and white, you're better able to poke holes in those thoughts because you can see how they don't serve you and you can see where they might be originating from, what beliefs that aren't immediately accessible to us might they be sprouting from and it just helps us to be softer with ourselves because it is ultimately 
it's about us and it's about how we're choosing to see the world. And we have our own lens. We have to remember that. And our first reaction is not about choice. Our first reaction is about that particular lens just because of our makeup and how we grew up. And then even what we inherited from generations before, that's been proven, right? It's not just what we lived through. It's what our ancestors lived through. And so much of that is in us. So more compassion, more compassion for ourselves and to know that it's so easy for that little one to be rewounded when we haven't really reclaimed their story. But all these practices help us to do that. Yeah. I, the putting it down on paper has always brought me so much clarity because when left alone with my thoughts only in my head, man, they can run amok and they can weave these horrible, awful stories and putting it on paper seems to shed light on it and bring it out of the dark and into the light. Just the same way shame has a hard time living in the dark and lies have a hard or have a hard time living in the light Mm -hmm. and lies have a hard time living in the light. I feel like the same thing with your thoughts. So such a good practice of writing it down because like you said, poking holes in it, just left and right. Like what is actually true? What is actually true here? Because when left alone with my thoughts, boy, I can't, that's a, that can be a scary place to be. Yeah. And you know what? Just like me. Mm-hmm. And that's one that is true for all of us. Left alone with what's going on in the mind, there can be a battlefield in there. And depending on what's going on in our life, because horrific things happen. Mm-hmm. And these practices at times aren't going to be enough. You know, at times we've just got to get through. We've just got to get through minute by minute. And at times you'll listen to a quote like, nothing is a miracle. We could live that way or we could live that everything is a miracle. And that is a lot harder to believe depending on what you might be going through. I get it. You and I today are talking about you know, the routine, the day-to-day, the stresses that can come up and how a quote like that might actually change things. And last week, because we were talking about just the daily grind, because I decided to think about that quote yesterday and remind myself about that quote yesterday, you find yourself, instead of finding evidence for everything that's going wrong, which is how the brain typically works, if you decide to commit yourself to a quote like that, then you get into the situation where you're finding evidence of miracles. And a miracle in this context isn't like these, you know, these big, amazing peak experiences, just like these little tiny sweetnesses in regular life. But it adds like, it adds just some magic to everyday life. So here are a couple of miracles that happened for me when I was paying attention. I was in, <laughs> I was in the grocery store and I had just another minute to be in there before I had to go and pick up my daughter. And two of us came up to the checkout line at the very same time. And this beautiful woman said, you know, you go first. And and that is something that I often have the luxury of being able to do is just let somebody else go first, you know, if I'm not in a huge rush, but I was. And so I was, I was thinking, oh, you know, a little small miracle. And then as I was being checked out, this is a particular grocery store that if you've spent a certain amount, then you get uh, immediately like a $20 off your order. 
and you never know when that's coming. And <laughs> yesterday it was all, all my groceries were put through and they're like, oh, you, you've hit your $20. Would you like to use it? Yes, I would. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> so I just, I left that grocery store, you know, just feeling super connected and, and super in the decision to think that, that there's miracles happening around us all the time. And that was a lot more supportive than where my mind has been going lately. Yeah. And, and they are occurring all the time. It's just taking the time to be able to, to recognize it and stop and, and see it. I agree. I feel you on that one. In the midst of your move and everything that's happening, what are some things that you can now see? Like if you took the time to think about it that are actually like going in your, going your way, happening to support you. Like just all the teeny tiny steps that have all fallen into place throughout this whole move that we were able to find a place that was in our budget, that was pleasing, that is quiet and it was available. We didn't find a place that we loved and find out that, oh yeah, we're booked or we're full or, you know, this finding our new place was pretty seamless. Like we looked online at a few places and found this place and really liked it and went to the office and they said, yeah, we have it available. And then I really feel like, and don't tell anyone else in my, in my apartment complex this, but I think we got the best one because it is, it's on the first floor. So that's another miracle right there that, we don't have to, we didn't have to carry all of our stuff upstairs and it's right on the corner. So we only have neighbors on one side and the back of our place looks out onto like this forest and it looking around the apartment complex, I feel like, oh my gosh, like, don't they know? Like, this is the best one. <laughs> like, It just has this beautiful view and so to have that happen, be available, be open, you know, and like all the steps when you get a new place, you have to apply, you have to be approved, like you, you know, you're leaving your old place and are they going to give you grief about, you know, the end of your lease? And so all those steps have happened and that's been a miracle. And, and if any of those steps hadn't happened, what? Yes, this has been stressful moving, but oh my God, I can't imagine if we were still searching for a place and we had already given notice at our other place. And then, you know, all these fears and thoughts of, are we ever going to find a place? And then what's going to happen? And, you know, we have a dog and Mm -hmm. (laughs) do they take dogs? And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so there have been many, many miracles along the way, but those are some big ones right there that this place that we have landed is just it already is beginning to feel like home. And not to mention when you were worried about the house selling and that was just yeah. thoughts, right? And that was causing you a lot of grief and you were only going to give it something like four more days. And we <laughs> talked about this on an earlier episode. When I was there, you had read about getting a little six inch statue of that saint and burying them in the front yard. And you did that in by the time we spoke next, you had an offer. So that that was definitely was very miracle-like. It was a miracle that, yeah, we were coming to a, a 
self-imposed deadline that it was so hard living in the limbo of not knowing where we were going to live and were we going to move back to this house that we owned, which I didn't want to move there. It's far and it was my plan B. And, um, but I also didn't want this to go on for much longer of not knowing where we were going to be. And so we had put that self-imposed deadline on that if it didn't sell by that end of that weekend, that we were going to take it off the market and move into it. And, and then yes, while you were in town, we got the statue of St. Joseph and drove up there in the middle of the night and buried him on his head and miracle upon miracle. We were in contract by the next Monday and, and, and those are the, and that contract has stood the test of time where sometimes contracts fall through and, you know, buyers walk away and inspections go bad and they find radon and, oh my God. And, you know, like <laughs> all these things that could happen when you're selling a house. And yeah, so we've had miracle after miracle after miracle, and we're supposed to close early next week. And so, yeah, by the next podcast, hopefully I can say we have successfully closed and St. Joseph will have to go, I'll have to go unbury him. And then you place him in a position of honor in your house because he helped sell your house. So, or of your new house because he helped sell your old house. Oh, that's part of what you do with him. Oh, I imagine. So yeah, you can't just leave him buried or just throw him out after that. Right. No, he's done hard work. He's done the heavy lifting. So yeah, I have to go unbury him and then he'll, he'll have a little place of honor, but I don't know. I'm, I'm buying into the St. Joseph thing. Okay. Well, I'm buying into for another day here, this quote, there are only two ways to live your life. One is is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. I'm going to take that with me for the rest of my day. And I encourage our listeners to do that as well. And thank you to those of you who are asking to be invited to our private Facebook group, the Radiant Warrior group. If you're interested in looking at your life in this way, share with us little little things that happen to prove to you that miracles are always afoot. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, Amy, I look forward to hearing what transpires in your next week. And when I talk to you next, you'll be at the other side of this move. Yes. All right. Love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.